Hello, my name is Evan Jacobs and welcome to the Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir Aftermath podcast. These interviews are part of an ongoing series chronicling the hardcore punk music scene in Orange County, California and sometimes elsewhere. They are an addendum to the film Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir. This is a documentary I made that chronicles the 1990s hardcore punk scene. You can stream Orange County Hardcore Scene Stir on Vimeo. For $2 a month, you can watch every Anadimia film by subscribing to Anadimia Films Unlimited on Vimeo. Links for all this stuff are in each episode description. To support this podcast, please like, rate, and review it. Also, please subscribe to Anadimia Films TV on YouTube, where you can view all of these podcasts in their original video form. This was also uh, Dr. Buss's first year ownership, and we had a young rookie, 18 years old, 19 years old, from Michigan State, named Magic Irvin Magic Johnson on that. And uh, there was a, a back-then, a lot of folks don't know, that we, we drafted Magic because we had uh, New Orleans' first-round pick that they gave us when— they, we traded Gail Goodridge to New Orleans, but there was a there was a group of Laker executives that that were high on Sidney Moncrief, who was a guard from Arkansas, who went to the Milwaukee Bucks and became a very good player. And they were saying, "We do we really want Magic? We could get Sidney Moncrief. We know he's a shooting guard. He's older. Magic had only played one year. They won the NCAA championship with with against Larry Bird at Indiana State." And thank goodness we drafted Magic over Sydney on that, um, but we won the championship. And, th- and this is the this is the story. We're in the championship with Philadelphia, Julius Irving. We were up uh, three games to two, playing at home to form. And if fans remember, this is forty years ago. Kareem twists his ankle and goes out. Uh, we win the game to go up three games to two, but we're going back to Philadelphia to play. Well, I'm staying here because everybody said, well, we're going to go to Philadelphia. We're going to lose that game because Kareem's not playing. So, you know, we'll come back for that seventh game, win it in L.A. on that. And I remember I stayed back here and at that time, we had a, a merchandise person who had made Laker championship caps and shirts. These to, were ready to go. These they were ready to go. They had been printed just in case we won. And the same thing with Philadelphia then. And I remember giving to a guy who had worked who was selling season tickets, Steve Chase. I gave him like a 15 hats and 15 shirts. I said, take them, pack them, because he was going with the team to Philadelphia, just in case. No one thinking we're going to win. And I remember staying back here, and we, we, were, we were flying commercial then. This wasn't private jets or anything. We were flying United. And I remember meeting at LAX with people from United Airlines. We went to their district office there at LAX. The meeting about if, in fact, the Lakers won in Philadelphia, they, that would be the seventh game. That would be the, the fourth game we'd win. We'd win the NBA championships. They'd fly back. How do we handle the 
the crowds meeting them at the gate and so forth. This was before TSA or anything like that. People could just come in and... So you were looking into this, but you guys weren't supposed to win. No, we weren't. So I remember sitting there with these executives, people from... Why? We're not going to win. Kareem is injured, you know? Don't worry about it. After going back and forth, just in case we win, let's. what's the plan going to be? And we had we developed that plan. And remember, this was back then when we the NBA was on CBS delayed to 11 o'clock that night. And I remember b- being here, staying at the Forum. Lon Rosen stayed with me, who's now, as I said, the executive v- VP at the Dodgers. And Lon, if in fact we were going to win, Lon was going to take hats up to Jim Hill and Fred Rogan, these other guys, up to the radio station, the TV stations for the 11 o'clock news on that. Um, because it was delayed 11 o'clock, but it was live in Philadelphia. So we're listening on the radio, and who would ever believe that Magic would score 36 points with jump center? Brad Holland, white kid from UCLA, made, before the three-point, made some big buckets from long range, and we beat Philadelphia, and we win the NBA championship. And we knew it at... Eight o'clock that night because there was a level. The game was over. Yeah. Line goes up to the to to the radio to the TV stations, gives them that, and we're coming home. Championship. Well, we got them there. We announced that there would be a uh, they fans could meet the Lakers at the Forum. The next day, there were five thousand folks in the parking lot of the Forum when we brought the team out, and. Uh, we had the parade. There had never been a there hadn't been a, a championship parade in in, in L.A. because the Dodgers hadn't won one for a while. So that was my responsibility to put the parade together, get with the police. How how soon is the parade after? I think the like parade that? was like uh, four days later. Okay. And this is before we knew about putting them on buses or tractor trailer trucks and bed to keep. I said, well, let's get fifteen convertibles. Well, let's get them hooked up. trucks? No, there were no trucks. Because we didn't think about that. No, we didn't have anything to go back on because we hadn't been a championship parade in L.A. So there's 15 convertible cars. I got 15 convertibles. I met with the police department. We were going to meet to get all the players in the cars and start down Hope Street or Broadway, and that was going to be it. Fine. And And we didn't have any idea. And I remember I was with... uh, Magic was in a car, and Kareem was... No, Kareem was the first car. Magic was the second, because Kareem was the captain, Kareem, right. on that. And he had his girl girlfriend, Cheryl Pignacio. I can't believe I remember that name. And I remember we turned from this staging area out onto Broadway, and all we could see, as far as the eye, was a mass of people. And the police weren't ready for that, and... We're going down the street, and the fans are just up to the cars. Grab, knuckle, they weren't even knuckling, then high-fiving and so forth, which could have been very dangerous, but we didn't know what to expect. And we got through that, and uh, that was the start of Showtime. Magic was a rookie. Kareem and uh, Paul Westhead was the coach then. And that, Evan, remind me, that's another story for a podcast, how that all happened that first year because Jack McKenney was the coach hired. He didn't last because he was injured in a very freak accident and Paul West had in friendships were lost. Um, 
but that's another podcast story. So that was the championship. There were seven of us. The players all got rings and the coaching staff, and there were seven of us in management that got rings along with the players. So I always remember that, that I was I still have my NBA championship ring with my name on it from 1980. I have a, I have a just one final question, and this is, this is just – in, in that job that you had, what was the title of it then? Director of Promotions. In, as Director of Promotions, how regular are your hours at that job? I'm only saying because for them to win the championship and they were not supposed to win, the, like you would have been more prepared had they come home for a seventh game in Los Angeles. Sure. You just would have been more prepared. They win in the sixth game. It sounds almost like, and I'm, I'm just giving just a, a bad example, but like remember when, when the when the U.S., when we, when we got Saddam Hussein or, or we got rid of... Osama bin bin Laden. I'm just saying, suddenly news and everything is mobilized. You think you're going to have a ho hum night, and you're not having like are your were your hours for the most part fairly normal? But then when something like that would happen, would things just kick into overdrive, and suddenly you're you're, you're working way more that night than you thought, or no? Well, when when you are executive with a team. You're there at the morning at 8.30, and if it's a game that night, you're there until 11 o'clock that night. So okay. you have you have 14, 15-hour days. Um, during the championships, you're there for the championship, for the games for that on there. So, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of downtime because we didn't have a Lakers game that I was working till 11 o'clock or Kings game. We have Ringling Brothers Circus, the Ice Show, the Rodeo, the Grenadier Guard. So... Uh, Jack Ken Cook hired me and the other executives. We worked very hard. We were one of the few entities that one man owned both teams in the building. The Detroit Pistons, the director of promotion for the Pistons, only had to work Piston games because right. their guy only owned the team. Right. He was home 310 nights a year. Right. We didn't have that privilege. Um, the Dodgers, if you worked for the Dodgers, you just had 82 games and you didn't have anything else. We had Lakers, Kings, Rodeo, Ice Show, four, uh, Circus, so forth. Um, but I always looked at it this way. Jack Hencook and Jerry Buss gave me, paid me to learn the business. And here we are 40 years later, still in the business, have done very well. Uh, and so I can never begrudge that. I didn't make much money. But the experiences and the people you meet, um, some people want to say, I'm worth a lot more, and they don't want to put in the long hours, and they leave. They don't get to experience some of the things that could happen if they would have stayed there. 